0: I don't know about you guys, um, but I'm someone who who quite quite often I I live my life out of a a feeling uh, of scarcity, and I live my life out of this feeling of scarcity, and and, and really it, it makes me grabby of stuff, right? That this is mine, and I need this, and I need these things to take care of myself, and instead of living out of a sense of abundance. And that's why I love that song, especially as a reminder coming out of a week where some of us really did live a week of scarcity. (laughs) Water was a a real commodity. Same thing with food and electricity and things like that. We we live out of this sense of scarcity, kind of wanting to grab all of the things from around us out of understanding the, the abundance that we truly have. And that that song does that, that song does wonders for me in in helping my perspective as, a, as I view a relationship with God and so if you guys are new if this is your first time or maybe you this is your first time just because we're on campus and you heard the music welcome my name is JD. I'm the crosstalk pastor here with Cypress Creek Church we are so glad that y'all are here we are so glad that y'all are here and we are incredibly grateful every time we get a chance to worship here on campus, to be a part of what God is doing on the campus of Texas State and in the city of San Marcos. And I don't know about you guys, um, but I, there are certain things, these certain invites that, I ha- that I've been given in my life, over, over my entire life, and they, and they have a lot, they hold a lot of meaning for me. Things that I have been invited to, that have this symbolic meaning for me. Things that I've been really excited about, each of those things that I've been invited to carries significance to it. Maybe it was something where it was a coming of age thing. I'm finally old enough to get invited to do something. Maybe it was a sign of maturity. I've demonstrated enough maturity that I get invited to be a part of this. Maybe it's qualifications or experience that you finally get a seat at the table, or maybe it's education, things of that nature. I remember the first one for me. I grew up in a family where um, we hunted a lot. And so as a kid, I grew up and I watched my dad go off to hunt. And I just, I craved, I longed for the day that my dad would invite me into that. And so the first time that he asked me to go with him or, or brought me along it carried a ton of significance, right? It was this moment of this coming of age. Oh my gosh, I'm finally old enough to get a chance to do this. Then I had another one when I was in college where I was at a family function and I'm the oldest grandkid in my family. And so I finally got the invite where I left the kids table and I had a seat at the adult table, right? I don't know if all of y'all are there yet, but it is just as glorious as you imagined it to be. And really, I, I joke when I say that, but but it's a coming of age thing, right? That I'm finally old enough so I get a seat at the table. Another big one for me is when maybe I get, they're, they're the trips that I get invited on to go with friends, right? I remember one in particular, I got invited to guide this whitewater rafting trip down the Rio Grande Gorge up in Taos, New Mexico. And so I go on this trip, and the, the, the paddling is amazing. The river is beautiful. I have this unbelievable experience. And so I remember those things, but actually the significance of that experience was being invited. For as good as the experience was in and of itself, it was that somebody trusted me, that somebody respected my abilities enough, that somebody wanted me there enough that they asked me to be a part of it. And really the biggest one for me, the biggest invite that I get is when I get invited into someone's life, where you finally have enough relational equity so that somebody pulls back the curtain in their life and says, hey, this is the stuff that's really going on. I'm hurting, I'm struggling. Here are the things that are happening in my life. And it's not the face that they show to the outside world or the face that they want everybody to see. But this is the real stuff, the, like the nitty gritty of life. For me, it, Taylor is the perfect example. And I'm sure that she is now panicking on the live stream. because She's like, what is J.D. going to talk about? But it's just the simple things of she gets home from work. And it, the easy thing is to say that work was fine but it's the moments where she invites me and she pulls back the curtain and she says, here is the good, the bad, the ugly of my day. When she talks to me about her dreams or her ambitions or her goals, the things that she struggles with in life, when you're invited into that, there's there's a level of importance now to that invite because it's a relationship that has meaning and it has value. And so for all of... The symbolic meaning an invite is, there's something also kind of weird about getting invited to something. And so whether or not it's just like you're you're inviting someone to dinner or to hang out, maybe it's something informal like, hey, people are going to be kicking it at my house at eight on Friday if you want to swing through. Or maybe it's just like, hey, come to dinner and come hang out. Maybe it's something very formal where you get an invitation But when when someone puts out an invite, what they're also doing is they're being vulnerable at some level, because you always have the ability to say no. And so when I invite Dallas into what's going on in my life, he always has the option to say no, right? And to walk away from that. And so there's this inherent insecurity for so much of us when it comes to invitations. And so with invites, we have this tendency to feel this social pressure, right? So if I get invited, and I'm just going to use Jeremiah, for example, like I get invited over to Jeremiah's house with him and Haley to have dinner. We go over one night. Now, when I get home, I'm either thinking, do I owe Jeremiah an invite? Do do I owe Jeremiah and Haley an invite? Do they come to my house next? Or you're having this feeling of insecurity of like, man, did I do enough? Was I fun enough? Was I a good enough guest? Did I bring enough that Jeremiah and Haley want me back in their house again? And so there can be this sense of anxiety that, that comes with an invitation. And so really in a lot of ways, invitations have become a social currency for us. They kind of determine your place inside of a community or with a relationship. And this has existed forever. And it was actually probably more formalized than like Greco-Roman culture because your social status was directly determined by the invites you were getting and the invites you were giving. It was the way in which you climbed the social ladder. And we're going to see that play out in a dramatic way in our scripture today. And last week we looked at the story of when Jesus gets invited to a Pharisee's house. We see this story where he gets invited over to the house of the Pharisee. And that carries weight. That invitation carries weight because this Pharisee is inviting over an important teacher. He's inviting over a rabbi. And so by Jesus accepting that invitation, what that's doing is it's basically placing value on the Pharisee. That Jesus would go to his house increases his social status, right? That he is more important as a result. And really, that's the end that he has in mind. I'm going to invite over this teacher. We're going to talk over dinner, and it's going to make me look important. And therefore, I'm going to gain something from it. And what Jesus does is really the exact opposite because he does what the Pharisees don't want him to do. He ends up rebuking the Pharisees and he rebukes the lawyers and he calls out their hypocrisy at the table. He tells them basically that they are trading these essential matters of faith, justice and the love of God, and they're trading them for things that are peripheral, things that don't matter as much. And as a result, they're actually people who are leading people away from God as opposed to towards God. And we, in a kind of a modern parlance, would call that majoring in the minors. Majoring in the minors. And today we're looking at another story of Jesus dining with the religious leaders. And Jesus is again at the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees, the scriptures tell us. And he's dining with them. And he notices that the Pharisees are taking the seats of honor at the table. And basically the seats of honor are the ones that are closest to the head of the table where the host sits. And so there's kind of this social posturing going on where they're placing themselves in relation to the other people at dinner by the seat that they can get at the table. And so Jesus notices this, and he begins to teach them. And we're in Luke chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 12, and it says, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you are repaid. When you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And here we see this recurring theme for the book of Luke continue to play out in front of us. That Luke desires for us to understand Jesus precisely to be the Lord of Israel who passionately seeks the redemption of the poor, the outcast, the downtrodden, and the sick. And the tendency, our tendency really, is only to be hospitable to our own friends and family. The people we like, the people we deem worthy, the people we want to be associated with. But Jesus begs these religious leaders to open up their table to everyone, to the people who can't repay them for what they're doing. In this moment, Jesus opens up the community of relationships so that no boundaries of class, of rank, exist anymore. To invite those who cannot repay is not the cultural norm. It's actually the exact opposite. And so you only invited people of equal or greater rank when you hosted. And so basically, what would happen? It's the same kind of concept as owing someone a favor. Like if Paulina, if if I have something that I need done that I can't get done, and I say, "Hey, Paulina, can you help me with this?" I'll owe you one, right? And she does it. That gives her permission. Then at some Point later down the line to say, hey, JD, you remember that time I helped you out? I need your help with something. She's calling in that favor, right? And so what's happening here is that basically people are using these invites in the same way. And so they would say, hey, Georgia, will you come to dinner with me? Knowing that Georgia is way more popular, that she is way more cool than I am. And so the next time that she hosts a dinner, I'm going to get the invite, right? Or at least I should, And that's kind of the way that this is working out. And so he's saying, well, what really you need to do is to direct our attention away from our own self-importance into considering the needs of others. Jesus shows us that hospitality is generosity when no motive exists beside giving. Hospitality is generosity when no motive exists except giving. We don't receive anything in return. Jesus wants to direct our attention outward, away from the dangers of our own inflated self-importance. He's saying that we should not seek to bring honor to ourselves. He's, He's saying that the question is not, what can I do to receive something back? But the question is, what can I do to bless someone else to meet the needs of others? Humility and openness to all are two major facets of Jesus's teaching. And so we see here for a follower of Jesus that service and meeting the needs of others are not just a recommendation. They're a basic prerequisite for following The only appropriate response to Jesus' call to follow him is to serve and to give with no motive to receive something in return. Verse 15 says, When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And these sorts of interruptions are kind of a hallmark for Luke. We saw it last week in the story of the lawyer who interrupts Jesus in the middle of his teaching, and really it just spells doom for the person who who starts to talk, because then Jesus usually uses their misguided answer to teach, right? Really to rebuke more than anything. And so right here we see, it's like, well, here it comes. You decided to open your mouth, right? And the basic assumption right here is that the guy who is sitting at the table is saying, I... I'm going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who are going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Well, that obviously includes me. I'm at the table right now, right? Like I have importance. But Jesus said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who have been invited, come for everything is now ready. And as we enter this into this parable, it's really key for us to understand our characters in this. So we have three characters in this, the first of which is the host. And for us to fully understand the depth of this teaching, we need to understand that the host in this parable is God. The host is God here. And it says that also that there is a servant, singular, this one servant who was sent out to invite people to the feast. And that servant is Jesus in this. And so he is speaking metaphorically about himself as he teaches. And we'll kind of see here as this plays out the the identity of those who are invited and kind of where they fall in how Jesus is teaching this. And it says in verse 18, but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come, which is probably still the most common excuse for newly married guys there is. I I just got married. I can't go. That's what he says. And the excuses of the invitees, they they vary, but they center on either financial or familial concerns. And these things aren't bad things in and of themselves, right? Like, we are supposed to be people who are responsible with the finances that God has blessed us with. We are supposed to be people who care deeply and invest in our family and in our relationships. But here we see that something is ultimately more important than attending the celebration that they have been invited to. And it goes on here in verse 21 and it says, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry. And he said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. It's clear that this dinner is happening. He's not rescheduling it. He's not canceling it. It's happening. And we see a picture here of God's invitation to the banquet. And he invites now the outcast, the sick, the oppressed, the lame, after the Jewish elite's hesitation to respond to his invitation. But we also see in the statement a note of initiative on the part of the host. He wants to find guests for his banquet. He wants people to be there. The host is seeking out people to attend, not just hoping that they would show up. And it says in verse 22, and the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. We come to understand here God's inherent generosity in seeking out people. We see his desire for all people to come and to respond to his invitation. It's not only given to the elite. It's not only given to the important, but it's given to the exact people who have no ability to repay. And the host tells the servant to compel people. When you look at that and you look at the in the thesaurus, compel is to urge. It's to convince. It is to beg people to come. So the host calls the servant to go out into the hedges and the highways, the homeless people. And he says, compel them, beg them, urge them, convince them to come to my banquet. And the point seems to be following Jesus's first teaching on inviting the people who can't repay you. We see this transformed understanding of social relations at this point. And so what we see is that this host will include anyone among his guests. That is, no one is too dirty, no one is too broken, no one is too poor to have a place at his table. And this scene paints a picture of the host reaching out to people in all directions. We see that the invitation to the banquet only comes through the servant, Jesus. And the blessings here are beginning to arrive. You're getting the picture that the dinner is beginning. And if the original invitees do not come, the the banquet's still given and the blessings will still come. They'll just go to others, the ones who will respond, the ones who will show up. And it says in verse 24, for I tell you, none of these men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Jesus makes a summary statement of this for the parents. For the Pharisees. His point is simply that the Pharisees missed an opportunity to dine in eternity with the Father, even though it looked like they were the ones who were the first in line, even though they were the ones who had religious importance, even though they were the ones that had social importance, they missed an opportunity to respond to the invitation. The point is that those who seemed to be first in line will miss out. And others who did not even seem to be close at the time of the invitation will attend. And the parable makes clear that exclusion is not God's desire in this. Absence at the table will will be because the invitation was given and rejected instead. The opportunity to attend was given in advance, and the, and the invitation was still refused. And in rejecting Jesus, the Jewish leaders reject God's greatest gift. The opportunity to sit at the table with the Father. And they also miss the opportunity to reap the blessings that he gives. We see throughout Jesus' ministry that it's often the outsider in society who responds most favorably to God. We see that this demonstrated precisely to us through Jesus' ministry to the poor, to the blind, to the lame, and to the sick. In looking at those examples, we see that their infirmities, their sicknesses, their, their issues do not Keep them from a relationship with God, but rather put them precisely in the position to accept it instead. In warning the Pharisees, Jesus instructs even his own followers in this way we, as the people of God, must be found and sought in surprising places. In the places that are too hard, in the places that are too committing, in the places that are too messy that no one else is willing to go, we as the people of God are called to go and invite people into the gospel of Jesus Christ because that invite is given freely with no strings attached. We see that there is no reciprocation needed, only the acceptance of the invitation. And really, if we look at it, doing life with people is messy. My life is messy. And if you're willing to be honest with yourself, your life is messy as well. And as I was reflecting on this, I I realized that it was only because of my friend. His name is Dave Pound. When I was a freshman in college, he was willing to walk into my mess and invite me into a relationship with Jesus. And when he walked into my life and I had tons of issues, He was not afraid that it was going to be too committing, that it was going to be too hard, that it was going to take too much time. He simply invited me. And then he showed up on a daily basis until I accepted the invitation. And he didn't expect anything from me. There was no strings attached to that. He just wanted to invite me into a relationship with Jesus. And most of us can look back on our lives and we can point to a person. Or we can point to several people who did the same thing for us, who dared to enter into our mess and to point us to Jesus. And now we, quite simply, are called to do the same. Jesus makes clear that the invitation is there. That the door is open and that no one has too much baggage. No one is too broken. No one has too much stuff or is too messed up for God's table. And you see, we were created to be in relationship with God. And here is a God who out of his grace no matter what we've done, no matter how dirty we are, no matter our baggage, no matter what we're carrying, he stands and invites us through Jesus Christ to come in and to dine with him. Jesus tells us that right here in this story. Because what he is about is he is about restoration. The restoration that comes when we respond to the invitation of God and believe in him and we're restored to that relationship. We take our seat at the table. And what I hope that you hear through this story is that you individually are welcome at the table of God. That you aren't too far gone For God. Jesus says in Mark 2 it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And praise God that is the case. Because that includes even me, and it includes even you and actually there's only pre one prerequisite to this and that is the understanding that we are broken that we are messed up that we when we place ourselves in this story we understand that we are the broken we are the lame that we are the oppressed and we understand that we are in great need of that invitation and that invitation is offered To each and every one of us. And we just have to be willing to get a little bit uncomfortable, to go to the places we don't want to go, to talk to the people who are uncomfortable to talk to, to go and to associate with the people who don't look like you, who don't sound like you, who don't have the same background as you, don't have the same money as you, and walk into their lives and not be afraid. Because the invitation that we offer is the same invitation that was given to us. And so we know that we're offering the only thing that brings life and meaning into a broken and hurting world that is Texas State, into a broken and hurting world that is San Marcos. There are 38,000 students on this campus. And I believe the last number was that there are less than 2,000 of them who are a part of the college ministry. Let us be a people. Let us, as as Crosstalk, be a place that is inviting. may it be so for us today, and may we be the change in our community that we so desire to see.